Good morning, afternoon. Good morning, afternoon. I didn't think that I'd be seeing you so soon. Wasn't it just eleven? Ahoy, hoy, everybody, and welcome to some special Talking Simpsons bonus content. I am one of your hosts, the Jub Jub lover, Bob Mackey. And who is here with me today, as always? Uh, Henry Gilbert, a lover of Steven Universe and Jub Jub. And uh, yeah, this is an exciting bonus we have spinning right out of our recent Selma's Choice podcast. Yes, if you can believe it, at times a Talking Simpsons episode can be too long. And we decided <laughs> that we would offload some of the interview content with Rebecca Sugar into its own little bonus episode for you all to enjoy outside of the discussion about Selma's Choice. Yes, we had so many questions about Rebecca's career and work on Steven Universe and, and all that. And, and if you listen to the podcast all the way, she even sa- asked us like, you know, cut this down, cut it down. Like even she was feeling like she uh, was slightly self-conscious about how long it was. But we we loved every second of it. But yes, we wanted to to give people another chance to, to hear some of the extra stuff we chatted with Rebecca about, as well as, you know, I uh, to, to boost up again to let people know uh, they should really be checking out the brand new album of music she she just released spiral bound which again is is so so good mm-hmm. and as she said you know on the main podcast too you can find that on spotify on youtube on Bandcamp, on pretty much all places like officially that you can find music and give it a listen to like it's six brand new songs the first music she's written you know for herself uh and released ever like she had a great story on the podcast saying like she she'd been writing songs songs for cartoon characters to say and now she is you know <laughs> finally having herself say them and and sing them and it's a it's really exciting to to hear and not only that but rebecca even uh let me know that we could plug in here uh, a little bit of one of her songs just in case you guys haven't heard it yet so right here is the one i mentioned on the podcast uh that was one of my favorites on the album adams morgan 1991 and maybe at the end you'll even hear a little bit of another one of my favorite songs from the album good morning morning afternoon uh and remember again at spotify youtube most places you find music check check it out spiral bound is the album and without further ado here's a bit of adams morgan 1991 as we roll into the interview with rebecca sugar blackberries growing on a chain link fence cool breezes blowing through an open door sidewalks are cracking in the midday sun And don't cry for me, I'm already dead. I was just rereading it again, and it's like obviously, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of my my own twenties. Like I was a Jim or an Allen, I think. Uh, in, uh, and I, me, me and Bob are a Jim and Allen, I'd say. And, and Bob better cry at my deathbed too. Okay, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Like, I promise well, on this very podcast, it will happen. <laughs> well, now we're just saying Henry's gonna die first, and I'm uncomfortable with that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but but also, I, I think my favorite great use of a Simpsons reference in it was when Alan is Jim's best man at his wedding and he is quoting what Abe says to Homer about time travel that he did say at his wedding in Treehouse 5 and I was like oh that is such like a great like layered reference in, that in was the that was the one that was the one that's a Twilight Zone reference but it's the Simpsons that that's that's the one that mm. I was called out for 
as being like that's not really from the simpsons uh, but yeah i thought that I mean, it's, it's very well observed rebecca because my, my wife and i have simpsons references inside of our wedding ring we have we have the words good waffles inside of our wedding rings that's you can't so see it on beautiful. camera but oh uh just because we love that scene so much we love that joke so much and we're gonna stick together that's what good waffles do that's i love that that's <laughs> the thing that i really wanted to be at the heart of that was you know i i feel like when and this is something i've also re- realized kind of over the last decade too is is like watching things together it just is my family's love language and i think that that has you know, laid the foundation for my my relationship with all of my friends and my romantic <laughs> relationships it, you know we connect over pop culture media animation and the Simpsons so much when I was younger. And what I really wanted to do with that comic was just talk about how, if, you know, if that's your way of connecting with someone that that's legitimate, that that's beautiful and that's incredible. And that, and maybe that's, I, I don't know. I, I was frustrated at the time and I, and I continue to be about how it's um, somehow seen, you know, as, as sort of silly, if that's the thing that you're connecting over, you know, I wanted to show that that would be as, as re- I was reading a lot of like, I read a lot of Oliver Sacks and stuff too, you know, it's like, oh, people will retain music in their minds sometimes when they lose everything else and it's like you know when you have these deep memories and deep connections over a piece of media you know it becomes a part of your life and it becomes real and as I was making a tv show I really wanted to keep that in mind the whole time that you know I hope that this can and the power of it isn't so much what we were making but the fact that it could become part of someone's life and part of their relationships and something that you can connect over uh, to me that's where all this power and beauty is and I wanted to explore that I think I, I went a little hard back then in terms of the this is, is dark I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it so memorable I mean uh while watching this episode for research I did think of your comic Rebecca the don't cry for me I'm already dead comic because uh, just the tiniest things are the things my wife and I will repeat to each other from the Simpsons and I forgot it was in this episode where my wife she wears uh, a hat most of the time when she goes out and often she'll like leave it sitting behind on a chair or you know on a table at a restaurant and I will repeat the guy saying forgot my hat when she forgets her hat (laughs) right So right. it, it happens oh, maybe funeral. like once every two months. And then I remember like I say forgot my hat and I forgot it's in this episode. It's just a random guy. I don't know why that stuck in my head, but it did. I, yeah. I, this episode is full of a lot of quotable lines. I think I am the lizard queen is mm-hmm. one of the most quotable from this episode <laughs> to me that, that stands out. But there's so many good. The lines from Surly at Duff Garden. All are, the Surly lines. Yeah. Are, yeah. Every, everyone transcends. I, and I was... I wasn't I wasn't like taping all of these episodes like Henry was. I, I couldn't get blank tapes that easily, so there were there were huge gaps. But this is one I definitely rewatched a lot as a kid and I loved as a kid. And watching it as an adult, I'm just wondering, why did I like it so much? Is it just the five minutes of theme park stuff? And maybe that was it, but I realized I don't know, seventeen minutes of this show are about Selma and coming to terms with aging as a woman and, you know, wanting to have a family and things like the things that a ten year old at the time a year old boy can't really come to grips with or understand oh yeah i didn't retain any like when i was returning to this i was like oh they're right the deaf gardens episode they drink the lisa drinks the water that's that's what i remember <laughs> lisa drinks the water lizard queen home rates a sandwich yes oh <laughs> i i remembered homer's sandwich but i forgot that was also in this which i think is kind of funny that there's two pale hallucinating sick people <laughs> in one that's episode true. it's like it's like that's a little bit of a double beat but uh, different reasons so 
I suppose it's all right. Oh, to what were you were saying previously, I, I forget where I read it, but wasn't the thing that James L. Brooks like always wanted a Mar- Marge episodes? Yes. Yeah. He uh, apparently it was easy to sell a Marge pitch if you had it, because often, you know, everybody comes in with pitches and it's like Homer does a crazy thing usually. And uh, you all have Homer stuff. But if you say like Marge does something or Marge has an even better for the sisters that actually like uh, usually James L. Brooks, who is the final say on whether you do an episode or not, at least back then, he would really buy into a pitch from from a woman's perspective, which totally makes sense. Like his Brooks, you know, he, he won Oscars based on his writing for women and, and the Mary Tyler Moore show. Like he he was very into telling uh, stories of women in his stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah and all, but also conversely, there was a trend around this time on the show where new writers were kind of punished in quotes by having to write Marge episodes because they were the hardest. That's why Bill oh. Oakley and Josh Weinstein, their first episodes are Marge gets a job and Marge in chains because it was easy to write Homer uh, and I guess easy to write Bart, but they were, I mean, they were all a group of middle-aged men and they, they weren't as into writing Marge lines uh, as the driving force of a story. Right. Well, it's funny too. Listeners would have just heard it, but I was just thinking about this with, we're, preparing for Marge versus the monorail as we record this and it's called Marge versus the monorail and you know framed as Marge discovers the secret of the monorail and then in act three Homer <laughs> just steals it and he yeah. saves the day and like Marge doesn't really do anything and actually right. yeah, that was Conan what Conan's second episode for the show right that one feels really Conan O'Brien-y to me yeah. Yes, yeah. No, maybe he, that was his final extra push on it of just like, oh, and uh, Marge, it's uh, she's the one who saves the day. And then they sneak in in Act 3. It's like, actually, Homer saves the day. It's right. Not, you know. Oh, man. That one's but, eternal. It's all, Well, yeah, Rebecca, too, do you guys, you know, this this era of The Simpsons really has a lot of, like, changing dialogue at the last minute and, and re, re-editing mouth movements to, to fit a new line. Like, how often did you guys change dialogue, like, late after, like, you know, say after it comes back from from overseas animation we would do it if we really needed to we could make a new scene we could do it we could create an entirely new scene with retakes and slip it in we definitely added a lot of i mean it was always a godsend when you'd have a scene with the back of someone's head because it meant (laughs) that you could adr and yes we would manipulate um i mean also like i'm very particular as an animator like if we did get an adr line you know we we could go in and manipulate the lip sync to try and get it to look to try to get it to match because we'd be in in the edit base slipping the line in we didn't do it a a huge amount and usually when we did it would be for clarity it wouldn't it wouldn't be for punch up if they're if we're watching this thing down and we're just like oh that you know <laughs> we totally forgot to mention this thing you need to know in the, within this episode especially about you know lore or, or characters or i'm trying i'm trying to think of some of the times that we would do it but yeah it's 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 wild going back to uh simpsons because they you know the writers would be involved up until the last second and so you'd see a lot of adr jokes and and the fact that the lip sync won't hook up it's like it's fun to just wonder oh what was this what was this going to be um i definitely couldn't i didn't spot that when I was young, there was there's a the whole um, Frogert exchange, which is a big part of uh, Don't Cry. When I went back to see that, I was like, oh, this scene is a Frankenstein. This mm-hmm. I think they just fabricated this <laughs> entire thing. You know, stuff looks like it's like played and then extended and some things are like reversed and, you know, mouths are being manipulated. You know, I, I didn't know how to see that when I was younger, but now I, I like being able to see how these things are kind of collaged together. Yeah. Well, it's something in HD, too, that you can really it's easier to tell the because they edited on VH back then um, unlike uh, today's editing right yeah yeah we can get re- we could get really particular I and mean, we could we could isolate mouths and hold other parts of the body and we did like a lot of our 
camera shakes in post and gels for different. Well, we had a we had a After Effects department as well, which only later on in the show we we campaigned for years and years to have an effects department because we did it really traditionally. I mean, we would like if you needed a certain time of day, like you couldn't just throw a color on something. Like you'd have to build every palette for everything, <laughs> every prop, and every character had to be in a certain lighting, and then you'd send all, all those blueprints to the studio. So yeah, but we definitely had some flexibility for like holding holding mouths and and changing that. But you guys wouldn't have references to like you know say a pop culture figure who might die before the episode came out they, that wasn't a danger for you guys you know what happened once it was that was kind of like this oh my gosh I'm like, should i even tell the story there was this there's a scene in an episode right right after steven finds out about pink diamond where he's talking to amethyst and he's sitting in the pizza parlor and he's kind of folding all of his pizza toppings into a napkin and tying them as he's nervously talking about all these these different aspects of his mother and he's he had a line where he was talking about how he could see he could see how she was good and bad to both sides and it was exactly when there was a, there was a both sides comment from Trump mm. like oh. weeks before we were finalizing this episode where just even saying the words both sides was just so upsetting and we cut it we we changed the line at the last second i'd say that's probably wow. the closest thing it wasn't a pop culture reference but it was just like no 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 like that's not that's not what we're trying to do here you know and and similarly i think you know we did the whole gem harvest episode which was completely recontextualized when it when it came out weeks after cuz cuz at the time that we made it it was like oh uncle andy is completely stuck in the past like like this people don't agree with this way of thinking anymore and he needs uh -huh. to he needs to realize that and he needs to sort of join all of us in the present and it was just like the second it came out it was like this doesn't mean this at all anymore and you know trying to figure out right before it comes out i know how to really clarify what that was because that, that that episode aired thanksgiving 2016 mm. yes which was a very fraught time that you did not couldn't have anticipated no because we're writing it a, a year before you know and and at the time we were writing it it was like what a lonely person you know nobody agrees with him i mean it's just so it's so, so different i mean it also you know obviously it was real as well and it was something that we were and so much of the show you know we're, we're about things and kinds of people that we had experienced and you know these these things were all real but uh that was just not the conversation was not active in that particular way when we were right if you know what i mean and um mm -hmm. um so so yes in the, in in that case yeah there were times where at, at the very last second because usually because of just a conversation that was suddenly emerging and, and we could finesse the lines a little bit to just make sure that uh, that our stance was actually clear and that we weren't trying to make a reference to something that had just been um that had just become a big point of discussion yeah uh -huh. i mean i don't know if you want to include that that's that's, that's like neither no, here nor there but yes we would have to jump in and do that sometimes I, I do like it's funny how uh or interesting how like after a few months pass you might even forget that uh oh somebody said something similar because i was looking back at my original notes for this episode we covered it originally in november of 2016 at the end so similar story and in my notes i don't even know what this is a reference to we get to the end of the episode and we're going to talk about murphy brown but in my notes i have compared to trump getting mad over hamilton and in, i'm like i have no idea what that means <laughs> Oh my gosh, right. <laughs> I, I, this, it's seven plus years later. I have no idea what that means, but I know, I'm sure everyone was talking about it when that episode went live. But I, I forget what, I mean, I know Mike Pence went to a Hamilton thing and maybe the, the cast talked to him. I, I, I have no idea again, but it's, it's weird oh, how right. much these I things occupy the our brains. Oh, go ahead. Right, they all stood and they and they protested the yeah. I I vaguely remember. Yeah. So you be, I think you really have to remember. It's like you look at those words and you're like, oh yeah, that's something like what I imagined happened must have happened. But yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, that's great. So we covered this when mm -hmm. that Jam Harvest episode. Yeah, aired. apparently this uh, right. the last time we did this so was funny. November thirtieth, twenty sixteen. Uh, oh, Selma's choice. 
Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Wild. Also, there's uh, another great bit on the commentary of, of Graining pointing out the like, oh, there's another, that kid, there's a foreground or background character that just is Bart that they drew in there, which is much more of a season one kind of deal. And uh, yeah, I mean, Rebecca, you guys are, were pretty watchful over your, your background characters, right? Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of go-to extras i mean we kind of designed a, a cast of especially of bo- boardwalk boardies who we would always return to be like mushroom shirt guy is there you know it's <laughs> like a lot of them were, were crew members as well like like when i remember we had an issue when we there's a party that kevin is throwing in an episode later and we and we put a lot of our of the steven crew at the party but we had to take people's glasses off because like i'd, I'd say 98 percent of us <laughs> wore glasses and when you looked at this shot it's just like everyone Everyone has glasses. It's like quite samey. So we um we had to modify some of our self inserts there. <laughs> Was this a nerd party that Kevin's throwing here? Uh, but um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And they all had they all had their different little little names. But yeah, it's it's crowds are tough. It's tough. I, it's funny. I've been I've been rewatching a lot of old Looney Tunes with Ian and and looking at those old cartoons. It's like there's like two maximum of two characters on screen at a time it's like they just don't they just don't do crowds and when there are crowds it's just like shapes of paint and sound effects because crowds are really really hard and then you know doing them for television you know that's challenging and and to to do a shot with like 16 characters in it and to do a shot with one character in it like nobody there's no the pay is the same there's no extra time Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just really punishing to do so yeah, it makes sense. You got to just you get find a way to reuse whatever you can with with characters too. Also with locations, we, we were always trying to find ways to do clever reuse. There, there's this story because um, uh, we would we would use all the time the stage that they would set up on the beach, and we'd find different ways to repurpose it. It's like there's a concert or there's like a, a political debate, and it's like it's all we would always get to use the stage <laughs> and um and the stage and then the same crowd. You know, it's like these are the people that live here. They're showing up at the concert or they're, they're using the same stage and then one year they actually made that stage for comic cons so and, and you could oh, like yeah. go up and do karaoke on it and stuff and i was talking to to the steven universe writers ben and matt who, who went on to create craig of the creek we would do it at the writing stage we'd be like we have to figure out a way to reuse these characters or reuse this reuse this location uh we walked into comic con and they saw the stage and and ben said his first thought was like oh good <laughs> reuse like, <laughs> it's like they didn't have to build this thing from the ground it's like they had to build this from the ground up there's nothing that was economical about doing that but it's just like it's such an impulse it's like yes we can use this again we can use this place again we can use mushroom shirt guy again it's like just yeah we have it so yeah it makes sense it's like yeah sometimes you just have to find you just have to throw an extra bard in there you know sometimes an extra bard shows up that. i mean macaraining i mean he's not an animator of course but he would tell the animators or the director uh, make it like dumbo put the crowd in the dark less detail that way the problem is the show had too many riots during the day in Springfield. (laughs) You couldn't always have a crowd politely sitting in the dark. Yes. (laughs) Schoolyard graffiti of the Scooby gang Wild secret garden with the chlorine pool Long real house shadows when the day is done Adams Morgan 1991 Long children's faces when Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.